Hello and a very warm welcome to a new episode of World Build, brought to you by World Architecture News from Alison and Nab. In today's episode, we speak to Stephanie Ledoux and David Trotz about global hospitality design, how designs can be less destructive to their environments and the accreditations that mean the most to the industry. Stephanie trained as an architect in Paris before continuing her studies in the States. She worked at various Parisian agencies before joining AW2 in 2000, where she became a partner in 2003. As co-founder of 3877, David is a leader in his local business community and design industry and is committed to providing designs which enhance the lives of clients and communities. But before we begin, we are once again joined by our resident trend spotter Hannah, who is back this week to tell us about how curves can be used in architecture and interior design. Out with the sleek lines and sharp angles and in with the soft curves. In 2022, many interiors are expected to feature arched windows, round mirrors, curved sofas and oval ornaments. My research has shown that it is people's desire to make their homes a cosy sanctuary after the challenges of the last two years that has prompted the surge of this trend. For projects featuring curvaceous interiors, see... AB Concept reimagines Four Seasons Cocktail Bar in Hong Kong. An article discussing Argo, the bar inspired by a traditional conservatory with sweeping architectural curves and a palette that incorporates rich textures, floral patterns and sophisticated finishes. Also read, Liqui brings glamour to Miami's beachfront for Brew 92. The curves featured in this building include its eyebrow canopy and its curved facade. Finally, the WAN Awards and the WIN Awards are open for entries, but not for long. Last year, we saw a record number of entries come in with many outstanding projects. So if you think your work is deserving of an award, head to wanawards.com or worldinteriorsnewsawards.com to enter. Entries will be closing on the 15th of June, so the deadline is creeping up fast. Thank you both very much for joining us today. Stephanie, can you tell us a little bit more about your role and how you define hospitality design? Yes, good afternoon. So I'm Stephanie from uh, AW2. It's a company based in Paris since 1997. It has been founded by my business partner, who is uh, Reda Malou. And I became a partner like two years after that. And since then, we are developing a lot of hospitality projects in many uh, locations in the world. So this is how we see that for us. Uh, hospitality design is more how to create the adequate experience to a specific location. So, you know, guests are now traveling a lot in many different countries. So they have less time, but uh, they have already seen more. So the goal is to offer them the strongest experience, but within the smaller timeline. So strongest experience is how to connect with this destination and how to use the place to reconnect with our inner self. So this is how we, we see hospitality design. Thank you. And David, when did you get started in interior design and what drew you to work in hospitality? 
My business partner and I started this business about 11 years ago. We're about to hit our 11th birthday. And initially, my experience was mostly in commercial interiors and some residential design. And during sort of our growth, got exposed to hospitality just through the opportunity to work on a hotel project and started to really enjoy not just the the design experience of it, but how it affected people. And I think Stephanie sort of touched on this a little bit about experiential design and how people want to experience a space and a place. So it kind of carries through everything for me. Hospitality design is really not just about the hotel or the place, but it's it's how you treat people and how people want to be treated around you. Mm. What trends are you seeing in the sector? I think we're seeing a lot of strong focus on experience and making people feel like they're of a place or at a place. And I, you know, I think Stephanie touched on that sort of right away with what they do. You know, I think we we see that across the board. People want to know when they're at the beach, they want to feel relaxed, they want to feel comfortable. You know, not to say that it wasn't happening before, but I'd say that the design side has taken a lot more of an interest in that feeling of the place. Yeah, it's an interesting question because trend could relate to uh, design answer, but I think it's more about what the guests are expecting. And I have noticed that words are changing. For example, um, before we called uh, a place or a location, but now it becomes a destination. And we used to say, let's talk about a stay at a hotel, but now it becomes an experience or, you know, a hotel room now becomes an exclusive and private cocoon. So the words are illustrating what the guests expect now, and they don't expect something they already have at home. They expect to be surprised, to be challenged, and also they expect to activate emotions and not only to get the comfort and the facilities. So I wouldn't call that a trend, but more guest expectation to push more what we can offer them. And I think that may well be exacerbated by the fact that we're all coming out of a pandemic. David, what changes have you seen from pre-COVID to now? Have there been distinct developments that you can see that have really come about as part of the recovery from the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing that we're seeing is that locations that may or may not have been strong and popular that are close by or drive to are becoming much more popular. Certainly that happened last year, and I think it's happening a lot more this year, where if it's a leisure destination and they're close, it's a close by thing that you can easily get in a car and get to and not necessarily have to get on a plane or a train. Um, we see that a lot more frequently as a strong destination for people to get to. Well, actually, I'm not sure that the, the pandemic has changed the, this part of the market. What I think is what, what you just said before, the people have had to stop traveling, so they, they felt a bit frustrated, and now they are running again to these specific destination. But I think the market has changed before with um, the ability of more and more people to travel. If you just consider uh, China or India, Every year, there are more people able to travel and able to discover the world. So it creates a new balance in the guest expectation and also in the guest market. I think this is more what we can see as a change in the hospitality market currently. Which areas of the world are experiencing growth in this area of design, would you say? These years, we have really seen a lot of uh, changes in Middle East. Now, Middle East countries begin to try to create new destinations in their key heritage sites for like uh, Lula, for example, or at the Red Sea or all these areas which were not part 
of the tourism skyline are now really much uh, involved in this uh, type of industry. And also we can say that Asia was a bit slow these two past years for, for the pandemic reason, but they're still developing new concepts. And uh, for example, we have developed a, a, a new brand in Asia, which is called Wink, and focused on lifestyle and affordable hotels in urban context, which is quite new. So Europe was a bit behind but now they are also moving in order to not only to rely on the quality of the site, but also to provide high-end hospitality uh, offer. And David, do you think that people are expecting now more from hospitality spaces? Are they aware of airflow and cleanliness, all the things that came very clear to us over the last two years? Yes, I would absolutely say that. People pay much more attention to how space is cleaned or how ventilated it is. And I think all of those pieces come into decision-making on where to go and where to stay, uh, for sure. And, and I actually would even argue that now that some of that can have an effect on color choice or material choices that we're using in certain projects because we're trying to adapt to that sort of sense of cleanliness and openness. So I definitely seen, have seen a, a ripple from that. The hospitality industry is working with sustainability in mind. It's a very broad term, but are you being asked as a designer to make sure that the elements you put in have a more environmentally sound approach, David? You know, I, I'd say that it's not a main focus of our clients lately, mostly because of you know supply chain issues and other things that are directing focus away from that. But it is a focus that we have as a company that we're trying to adapt as much as we can to provide products or use products that have you know some level of co- recycled content that have been you know not treated in a bad way or using a nasty chemical. I think there's still a lot more to be done. You know, I think in the world of hospitality, the uh, a PTAC is something that we need to try and figure out how to replace, uh, especially on smaller limited service hotels. I think that's something that needs to be an objective over the long term to be more sustainable. And I also think that just our normal course of replacement of product in a hotel also needs to sort of start to take on a different tone or attitude as time goes on. Do you think there are enough sustainable materials to hand for you as a designer at the moment? Or is this something that you'd like to see grow? I mean, I think it it always needs to grow. I think there has to be some more sort of evolution in product and components so that we can, you know, as a designer, you want as much versatility and variety as you possibly can. So yes, I think I'd like to always like to see that grow just to include options. But, you know, I'd also like to see sort of a relook at some of our classic materials and whether it's, and which is happening pretty frequently, you know, veneers and things like that are being replicated in other ways. But I think that needs to continue uh, to grow. And Stephanie, how do you approach design now with sustainability in mind? Yes, I think we are quite lucky because in a project, um, sustainability is actually a a marketing component, uh, which is good because it gives a real chance to to go go quite far in this uh, subject. So what we always tell our client is that the sustainable approach should be global and should consider always the three main factors being the design, of course, but also the construction and the operation. Because uh, we all know that even if a project is well designed, if you are not able to maintain it, if you are not able to monitor it and to run it, 
all along the years in a very efficient way, then it becomes not sustainable at all. And do you find that approach is more costly than the more traditional approach? Well, it's actually not because as long as you rely on the site and you understand the context where you are designing, you can be quite efficient with the choices that that you're doing. For example, to get uh, the local resources, to make sure of the local know-how, then you can use local contractors and you can make sure that all what you bring to your project is consistent and makes sense together with the location. So this is the first step. Then if you are using uh, complex technologies, then it can become more, more costly. And the full story is to try and find the balance because sustainable means also that the project will last. So it has to be efficient and it has to be cost efficient as well. Because if, you, if your project lasts with the time, it means that it's sustainable itself because you will not have to refurbish or to redo it or to demolish in the, in the coming years. So this is a big part of the sustainability. Yes, I I agree. David, would you say there are any relatively cheap and easy wins that a sustainable approach can take? Yeah, I think when you're looking at mechanical systems, things that help, as Stephanie was saying, if they can be more efficient over the long term, sometimes that first cost is not as impactful. So, you know, looking at something like the the right mechanical system, some version of uh, preheating or for water and things like that using the sun, you know, there's lots of things that you can use that can help to make the first cost, maybe the first cost is a little higher, but over time, the operational costs are, are much less. So those are the ones that we find to be the easiest to talk about. Unfortunately, they're not as design oriented, but, you know, to Stephanie's point too, some of that would involve you know, siting the building and, and utilizing the site a lot better. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of times, well, the types of projects that we work on, you know, it's a site in either in an urban environment or maybe a little bit more suburban, and you don't have as much opportunity to rotate things or move things in a direction that's quite as easy to take advantage of things like solar gain and, and other components like that. But those are things that can be very helpful in the long term if you do it smartly. What would be your top five things to consider, Stephanie? that need to be right and spot on when you're working to achieve successful hospitality design? Oh, wow, it's a a big question, but I'll try to answer. I think the most important is first the idea. We are uh, architects, I mean, we are designers, so we need to, to bring the idea. And when I say the idea, I mean not 100 ideas, but at least one which will lead all the others and which will create a, a, a red line to follow. And then we have to consider the experience. And by experience, I mean the guest experience, what emotion we can activate uh, with the guests. For sure, the sense of place is key. As I said before, being consistent with the place where we are is, is really important for hospitality. And it's literally what the guests expect to get when they arrive in a place. The bioclimatic design is key. Bioclimatic means what you can do without using technology. So it relates again to the smart ideas like uh, David was pointing out before. Finally, I would say it would be how to push it a bit more every time for every project in every situation. Thank you. That's a very positive five. And um, David, can you match that five? <laughs> I don't know if I can. Um, 
can I can I just say all that? No, I, I, the other thing that I would I would tack on to the backside of that, and, and this is something we're seeing a lot more, is paying attention to not just the guest but also the employees who work there, and making sure that they have a yeah, a really strong experience in what they're doing, and they feel happy to serve their guests too. I think that that's something that we're seeing more and more frequently, just providing a better work environment, which means happier employees, which means happy guests. And I think all of that kind of comes together. So how do you go about doing that then? You know, it's it's just about making sure that the back of house doesn't always feel like 100% back of house, right? It still has to have some comforts and some pieces that people want to be there and, and want to work there. It, it's a little bit more about team building. It's a little bit more about giving people an opportunity to relax when they're in that space. The back of house and maybe the front of the house need to have a little more alignment in how they feel and how they touch so that it's not quite the way that it is most traditionally. Yes, that's a really good point, actually, isn't it? Then you get a successful community as a whole. So, Stephanie, can you tell us a bit about the project that AW2 did in Costa Rica? Yes, you mean the project in Costa Rica called uh, Casilla Papagayo, right? That's the one. Yeah, okay. So, Casilla Papagayo is a very specific project. Uh, it is an eco resort settled in a, in a pristine uh, tropical forest in the Guanacaste uh, province. So, our client was asking us to create a very, very small eco resort. At the beginning, we only had five keys, and now we have 10 keys, and it will reach the number of 14, but nothing more, which is really amazing. But to place the nature at the heart of the project. So our challenge was to say, don't put the architecture on top of everything, but just make sure that the nature is in the core of the project. So it was very challenging for us, and it was also very good as an exercise for an architect. So my understanding of this project is that there were no trees cut down in the process of construction. How was this achieved? Yes, the the client's goal was very clear. The architecture should not compete with nature, and nature should be the main character, the main protagonist of the project. So from this point, we had to decide, or we, we locate our project in one location, very efficient as a footprint and we save the rest of the site or we just walk in the site look for the clearings and put our different keys and this is what we decided to do so you know the site is 50 hectares so it was quite easy to find the clearings the not easy part was to make sure that we had enough available footprint to build our buildings but uh, yeah it was a lot of work but it's it's completed And thinking about materials now, did you find that there was enough sustainable materials for you to use for the different levels of accommodation? Actually, yes, because our strategy is to use very few materials. Usually for a project, we choose one key material and another one to achieve the the design challenges. And we try not to multiply the recipe because otherwise, as you say, you end up in a situation where you don't know how to source your materials. So here in Cassia, we have chosen to work mostly with wood and canvas. So the wood was used for the frames, for the, the platform structure, for the decks, for the parquet floor, the finishes, but also for the cladding and for the furniture. And uh, we have used the canvas for the tents, for the shaded areas, 
but also for the folding screen and the internal partition, and sometimes for the facade uh, finishes as well. So these two materials all together have uh, helped us to develop the full concept. So no, it was not difficult because we relied only on the two materials we knew we could source on site. And would you say there is a particular form of architecture that is less intrusive and disruptive to its environment? Well, for us, architecture is always an answer, but an answer to a specific question. So it really depends on the location. Uh, I'm not sure there is a form of architecture which is more appropriate in general, but here in Casilla, we were in the forest, and uh, the main goal was to make sure that we will not leave any scars on the site. So this is why we, we choose to, to work with platforms in order to limit the contact with the, the natural ground. And we have used the screw foundation in order to avoid uh, using concrete, and I mean, not using concrete at all. So the idea was to have no excavation, no earth movement, and therefore the platform was the, the right answer. So this could be considered as a low-impact architecture, but because it was the right answer in this, this area. And if I take another example, uh, when we did uh, the Six Senses in Kandao in Vietnam, it was like 15 years ago, the main goal was to make sure that we are not using any footprint on site. So we, we couldn't have the, the screw foundation because of the ground condition. But we have developed a two-story suite in order to reduce the impact on the ground. And it was quite su successful as well. So same question, but not same answer because of the different context. Thank you, Stephanie. And David, hospitality design is making its way into different industries now, such as workplaces. How difficult would you say it is to design a workplace with hospitality in mind? And how does it impact working conditions and productivity? So I would say that it, it, I don't know that it's difficult if, if you're sort of familiar with that approach, right? It's sort of like what, how we started the conversation. It's about making people feel like they're in a place that they want to be, just making them feel comfortable. So I think the change in workplaces is a strong one, right? It's having businesses try to create a workspace where people feel comfortable working in. And it's not just the sort of kitschy sort of foosball table in the middle of the space. It's just about a feeling. And I don't know that it's that difficult, but I think it's just starting with that idea that's the, the initial challenge. And, you know, what we've started to see over time is just, you know, bringing in new components, softer seeding, different types of color and texture and, you know, a little bit of planting and biophilia so that people feel like the outside is inside. And um, it just feels like a different environment. And how important would you say accreditation is for hospitality design? You know, I think it's growing. At the beginning, as we had started working on some projects, we worked on a couple of lead buildings. And, you know, I think initially when the sort of lead certification program came about, uh, you know, there's a lot of popularity around trying to do it and getting the public to understand it. And now I think there's a little more growth around that. And I think there's certainly some huge benefits to doing it. It's, it's sometimes tough to convince clients to spend the dollars to actually go through the certification process. 
But a lot of times they're willing to make the effort to employ the tactics that are used to get there and maybe not just go through that next series. But, you know, we're also seeing sort of an emergence of the well building standard and a little bit of fit well, which all sort of focus around fitness and, and just overall experience. So it ties pretty well into the hospitality market where people want to sort of focus on their own self in a multiple different ways, uh, you know, whether it's just the place that they are, but also having the opportunity to stay fit and use a building in that way. Thank you. That was really interesting and good to hear from both of you. No, thank you guys for having us. It was a pleasure to have this discussion with you today. Thank you. We welcome your feedback on the podcast. So please aim all your comments to wan-editorial at haymarket.com. You can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. So follow, download and join us.